0: Discerning Hearts presents Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. This podcast is an audio taken from a Discerning Hearts seminar conducted by Father Gallagher on discerning the will of God. Handouts alluded to by Father Gallagher can be found in the post connected to this episode at discerninghearts.com. The video instruction can be found in the same post as well or on the Discerning Hearts. YouTube channel. We now begin Conference 5 of Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher.
1: So, welcome back. We'll continue our reflections on discerning the will of God. And as you can see, I've put up the outline that we're following on the slide here. And thus far, we have gone through How we discern in in the different kinds of choices that we face. We've looked at the foundation of all discernment. We've looked at that disposition, which is really a prerequisite for good discernment, whatever you want, Lord. And then we concluded last time by going through the different spiritual means or tools that Ignatius provides for us to move toward that disposition, to build that foundation, to move toward that disposition and to be prepared for discernment itself, which is what we reach now. And that's our next piece in our reflections here. And this is the actual discernment itself. And I've summarized this as the three modes that Ignatius teaches us. That is the three patterns or ways in which God will answer that question. So again, we are focusing on significant discernments in which these three categories are all present, that both options are good, the person is free to choose either, and it's a choice of some significance. So whether it be vocational discernment or career, significant changes in the life of the family, which may involve moving, maybe to adopt a child in some cases, uh, choices of ministries within the church, and so forth. These are the kinds of choices that we're now considering. And here's our situation. So I'm discerning God's will in a choice I face. Is God asking me to take this new job, which will mean a move for the family? Is God asking me to go back to school and get my master's and so forth? And I'm doing everything that Ignatius counsels for discernment. So I've refreshed the foundation. Uh, I'm using the spiritual means. The disposition is growing in my heart, and I'm now ready to discern how will I know that I've heard God's answer? So that's the question that we're facing now. And, and I think for most people, this is really the key question as regards discernment. And out of his experience, a personal and that of the many people who came to him for help, Ignatius learned that there are at least three patterns in the way that God answers. And these are the three modes of discernment that will be our focus in this and our next reflections. And I'm going to summarize each in a short phrase. Sometimes in a first mode of discernment, God just makes it so clear that the person just knows and can't doubt and never can doubt. Sometimes there is a consistent attraction of the heart toward one option when the person feels the warmth, and the closeness of God's love, what Ignatius calls spiritual consolation. And sometimes when God has not given his answer in the first or the second mode, God is calling upon us to reflect prayerfully upon the various advantages and disadvantages for his service of the one option and the other, and where the preponderance of reasons uh, emerges, we understand that this is God's will. So that's A thumbnail of the three modes. And our task now is to dive right into them. So let's begin with the first of these. And that is when God gives a clarity uh, that is so certain and so sure for the person that the person just can't doubt that the person has found God's will. Obviously, this is a great grace when God gives it. Obviously, also, God doesn't always uh, give this kind of response in a process of discernment. But when He does, it's a wonderful gift. Now, if you'll take the handout, let's look at an experience of Saint Ignatius. He is at Manresa now. This is about a year from that uh, marvelous conversion experience when he's 30 years old as his leg convalesces from the wound in battle. And he has moved to across Spain to a small city called Manresa near Barcelona in northwestern Spain. And the artist is depicting uh, the, the cave. He lived in the hostel for that, where the poor and the ill of the city were lodged, serving them, went to mass every morning, returned in the evening for the chanting of vespers in one of the churches. The artist is, is depicting this cave, which today is a chapel in a large Jesuit retreat house on the bank over the river over which the city is built. And there Ignatius dedicates himself to a very ascetical penitential lifestyle Deep prayer, and he is growing by leaps and bounds in the service of the Lord. And at one point during the months that he's there, the following takes place. Now, what Ignatius has decided to do as part of his penitential regime is uh, total abstinence from meat. So, this is just one aspect of this uh, rather severe um, program of penance that he adopts in these early stages. Later, he'll find a better balance with the help of a confessor. While he was persevering in his abstinence from eating meat, and was so firm in this that he had no thought of changing, one day in the morning, when he had risen, some meat prepared for eating was represented to him, as though he saw it with his bodily eyes. So in some imaginative way, this is made present to him, uh, without his having any desire for it beforehand. At the same time, there came to him a great ascent of the will. Let's just note that. So something is shown to Ignatius about this penitential practice that he's undertaken. And as a response in his heart, there is what he calls a great ascent of the will that from then on he should eat it. That is, that God doesn't want me to be undertaking this particular penitential practice now. And although he remembered his former intention, he could not doubt about the matter. And let's note this too. Uh, What's being shown to him that God doesn't want him to continue in this particular penitential practice any further is so clear to him that he just can't doubt that he's understood what the Lord wants. He could not doubt about the matter, but resolved that he ought to eat meat. Relating this afterward to his confessor, which was wise of him and is always wise for us to be accompanied in discernment, the confessor told him that he should consider whether this might not be a temptation, and he's obedient. He does what the confessor asks, but he, examining it well, could never doubt about this. So, in this experience, something is shown to Ignatius, and that is that God— does not want him to pursue this particular penitential practice. There is, as Ignatius says, within his heart, a great assent, a great assent of his will that uh, he should end this. There's There's a profound yes to what God is showing him in this experience. And it is to him so clear that God does not want this penitential practice that he cannot doubt about what God has shown him either then or ever okay and we have there in this kind of experience the roots of ignatius understanding of a first mode through which god reveals his answer in a time of discernment now if you'll take the other handout which is the text of ignatius from the spiritual exercises i want to read just the first 3 lines of this so you see the title of ignatius text he calls this three times ignatius uses two words for what i'm calling these three, well these three patterns Uh, Sometimes he'll speak of them as he does here as three times, and in another text he speaks of them as three modes. So I'm going to use the word mode, um, which I think is just a little clearer for us. So Ignatius is speaking here of three times or three modes in which a sound and good choice or discernment may be made. So the first time or the first mode is when God our Lord so moves and attracts the will Okay, that's that great ascent to the will. That without doubting or being able to doubt. So God just makes it so clear that the person simply can't doubt then or ever. That without doubting or being or being able to doubt, the devout soul follows what is shown to it. So something is shown to the person in first mode discernment. As for Ignatius, that God does not want him to pursue that penitential practice. And then Ignatius gives two biblical examples of first-mode discernment, as St. Paul and St. Matthew did in following our Lord. So this is obviously their key vocational mode or discernment, we would say, in our own language. So in first-mode discernment, there are these factors, that something is shown to the person. All right, God wants this option in the discernment, for example. And the person's will, the person's heart is drawn to it in a deep yes, a deep ascent of the will. And it is so clear to the person that God wants this option in the discernment that the person cannot doubt that he or she has received God's answer in the discernment. And the person cannot doubt then or ever uh, about that discernment. Now, let's look at the two biblical examples that St. Ignatius gives. And let's just note that they are both vocational discernment. Um, so firstly, Ignatius speaks of St. Ignat- of Paul's experience on the way to Damascus. And if we look at that experience, something is shown to Paul that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus is calling him to be his apostle. His whole being says a deep, deep yes, a deep assent of the will to what is shown to him And it is so clear to St. Paul that the Lord is calling him to be his disciple, that St. Paul cannot doubt about it either then or ever, and this will become the touchstone of his whole life. And so you see the three elements there, that something is shown to Paul, his vocation, his will is drawn powerfully to this, and it's so clear to Paul that he simply cannot doubt that he has heard the Lord's call. So for Ignatius, Paul's experience on the road to Damascus is a biblical instance of first-mode discernment. And then likewise, the call of Matthew at the tax collector's bench as Jesus passes by. Something is shown to Matthew that Jesus is calling him to be his apostle. His heart, his will says a deep yes to this, that deep end of the will. And it is so clear to Matthew then and always that Jesus has called him to be his disciple that he cannot doubt, either then or ever. And again, like Paul, this will be the, uh, the touchstone, the basis of, his, um, of everything in his life from then on. So for Ignatius, uh, Matthew's call is another biblical instance of first-mode discernment. Okay, let's move now from uh, the text of Ignatius to a concrete example. And this is an experience that happens to Anne in her senior year in high school. And so uh, the experience is recounted as follows. A religious experience occurred in November of Anne's senior year of high school. Religious life as a lifestyle had never been a consideration for her. So she's not in in any process of discernment. She remembers asking out of curiosity what kind of girl could become a nun. After naming some qualifications, sister turned to Anne and said, Someone like you. You could become a sister. Anne's response was a definite and silent no way. Anne also recalls praying intensely to God and expressing her desire to do whatever he wanted her to do except, in capital letters, become a nun. These were the only times the subject ever came up, and they were soon forgotten. It happened on a Sunday morning, the last day of a weekend retreat made by the seniors. Anne had stopped to make a visit in the chapel. As she began to kneel down, she experienced a powerful shock, like a lightning bolt that went straight through her from head to feet. She felt her whole being lifted up in a surging yes. So reverently, because we're on very holy ground here in Anne's experience, Can you see the great ascent of the will, a surging yes? She had no control over it. It was much like riding the crest of a wave. One must go with it. There were no images, no words, no arguments, no doubts. Let's just note this too. What's being shown to Anne, which she has not not yet expressed in the account, is so clear that Anne simply can't doubt that what God is showing her is God's will for her. No reasoning process to make. It was decided, period. She knelt there a few seconds, absorbing the impact. There was a sense of great peace and joy and direction. In fact, it was the only time she had ever experienced such certitude. And Again, in the account, you see that this is so clear that she simply can't doubt that what is being shown to her in this experience is God's will for her. All right, what is being shown to her as God's will? Along with the call to religious life was also the name of the religious community. So, two things are shown to her that God is calling Anne to be a sister, and the specific community of sisters in which God is calling her to follow that vocation. All that was needed was for Anne to follow through on the decision. And this will always be true of genuine first mode discernment. It will be so clear that the only action to to take is actually to put it into practice, to do what's been shown. The decision was tested many times. In the course of the year, the certitude never changed, and this is a quality of first-mode discernment. Neither did the deep inner peace and joy. It was this certitude and deep peace that carried her through the year, enabled her to leave home, and helped her weather the homesickness and discouragement of the novitiate beginnings of religious life. For years after, Anne would feel the powerful impact of the experience whenever she recalled it. It was a gift, and she confesses that she would have never made it through those years without it. A great gift of grace. It gave her a basic joyous outlook and confidence in life, and the secure sense of being loved by God a love that she could feel in a tangible way. In her late 30s, Anne went through a period of spiritual desolation. Part of the desolation, the most painful part, was the loss of that sense of God's loving presence. So she goes through a time of struggle now. And yet, in the midst of the confusion, guilt, and emptiness, the certitude of her vocation was unshaken. Again, a hallmark of first mode discernment. It could not be doubted. So struggles, desolation uh, of various kinds doesn't feel God's closeness in the same way, but the bedrock of her certitude about her vocation remains unshaken, built on the absolute clarity of that experience. When she had to believe that God was there, she knew that he had chosen her to be his as a religious. As she reflects on this, she believes that certitude comes from the fact that essentially the decision was God's. She only freely consented to accept it, to ride along on the crest of it. So with reverence. In this experience, something is shown to Anne, and as we said, the call to religious life and the specific community. There is a great ascent of her will, which he beautifully calls a surging yes Yes, I accept this. I want this. I embrace this. I'll follow this. And God's call to be a religious in that community is so clear to Anne that she cannot doubt then or ever through the years of her life that she has truly received clarity about her vocation. Now, let's just note something uh, here. Something is shown to Anne, and there are actually two things, as I said, that are shown to Anne in this first mode discernment. That she is called to religious life and the name also of the specific community. Let's just uh, keep that in mind. We'll be coming back to this. This next experience uh, in the handout, I, I called uh, this person Joel, but I think now uh, he is deceased and with the Lord now as of, oh, about five years. So I think I can use his real name here. This uh, was Father Joseph Plevnik, a Jesuit whom I was blessed to know in the last years of his life. I spent, well, probably about four or five semesters uh, living in a Jesuit community in Toronto and uh, working at Regis University there doing doing my writing. And uh, in the community of Jesuits with whom I passed those months through those semesters over the years uh, was Father Joseph Plevnik, just a, a wonderful man. He was from Slovenia in Europe, an immigrant. Uh, professor, author. and uh, after he he died, I was there once more with the community, and they gave me his former office uh, in the uh, well Regis College is the proper title for it. Um, they gave me his office to use as a place to write, and uh, in his desk was a journal that he had kept. I uh, showed it to the superior. And he gave me permission to quote this paragraph uh, that follows. So this is a student, Joseph Plevnik, and um, a Jesuit priest has come to give a retreat. And now he recounts the following in his journal. I'm really, really happy to be able to bring his memory forward. He was a wonderful man. Today is the anniversary of my entering the Society of Jesus. It is 51 years, so he's writing 51 years after he enters the Jesuits. I remember the day I was called. Now you can already begin to hear a little something that uh, may sound a little first modish here. I shall never forget it. And I remember how I was moved by Father Jim Harmon, the Jesuit who came to pray, offering myself to the Father through Mary and her son. How I was moved. You get the movement of the will here. I cannot doubt about the effectiveness of that prayer. Again, you're getting first mode language here. This is clear. I can't doubt that I actually saw truly the fact that God was calling me to be a Jesuit. The memory of that call has kept me in this society until now. I cannot go back, and I do not want to go back. You're getting the ascent of the will in this again. But the Lord took me such as I was and slowly molded me. So again, with reverence, if we may go back to this. So student Joseph Plevnik, as he makes this retreat led by the Jesuit priest, something is shown to him that God is calling him to be a Jesuit. His being, his will, his heart says a deep yes. Again, I want this, I embrace this, I'll follow this. And the call to be a Jesuit is so clear that he cannot doubt then or ever through the 51 years that he has been a jesuit so with reverence i think it quite clear that although the language is more brief uh, than the account of Anne, it's quite clear that student joseph plevnik receives his vocation in first mode discernment now you'll notice if i may add this parenthetically that as we're going through these these are uh, all vocational discernments uh, and it's um kind of nice for me to see that that's what ignatius did too in the text that we just read Obviously, first mode discernment could happen in any um, significant discernment, career, uh, changes in life, and so forth. But uh, in a setting like ours, my desire is to choose the clearest experiences that I can. And it so um, fell out when I interviewed, as I mentioned, uh, a good number of people while writing the book that the clearest instances of first mode discernment that were shared with me were vocational stories. And so that's why I'm going to use these. But it does not mean that first mode discernment could not be given, uh, and is given in other kinds of choices as well.
0: We'll return to the special presentation of discerning the will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment.
1: Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts prayers, and more, go to DiscerningHearts.com and click the donate link found there, or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks, and God bless.
0: Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. We now return to this special presentation of Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher.
1: Okay, Margaret. So Margaret is a um, a college student and she is in a process of discernment between marriage and religious life and the following happens. Finally, at the close of the semester, the answer came suddenly and stopped all questioning. I think you can already begin to hear We don't have many details yet, but you can begin to hear first mode kind of language here. Okay, The the answer came suddenly and stopped all questioning. So she's in a process of discernment. She is uh, questioning, is it this or is it that? And then a moment comes when clarity is given, all questioning is stopped. For you, the cloistered life is the way to give me everything. So something is shown to Margaret that God is calling her The cloistered religious life. Others can do this, love me and serve me in other ways, but this is to be your way. These may not have been the exact words, but the message was unmistakable. There was never another question or doubt. Okay, this is classic first mode now. It's so clear that she never doubts then or later. Uh, There was never another question or doubt before or after the sisters accepted me into the community. So as Margaret experiences on this particular day in her uh, senior year as a student, the cloistered life is shown to her as her way. Something is shown to her. Her will uh, is, says a yes to it, which is not explicit in the account. And now if, if Margaret were to come to me, for example, in spiritual direction and describe this experience, I'd get her to talk a little bit more about this to see clearly about the ascent of the will, but I think it's quite clearly, although implicitly present, that everything in her says a yes to this, is ready and joyful to embrace it. And the call, her call to the cloistered contemplative life is so clear that she simply cannot doubt then or ever. So as I read this experience, although I'd like to hear a little bit more and would foster this kind of conversation in a spiritual direction meeting with Margaret, I think it's very, very likely that we have a first mode discernment here as well. The three elements seem to be present. We won't go through this text, but I just want to cite um, something that Pope Francis has actually recounted several times uh, during his years as Pope and and earlier. This book that you see here was uh, published in 2010. So this is before Pope Francis uh, even became Pope. He was the Archbishop of uh, Buenos Aires at the time. And in this book, he recounts an experience that took place when he was 17 years old, which was decisive for him. This takes place on September 21st of his uh, 17th year. And this is what's called Students' Day. It's a holiday for uh, students in Argentina. And the practice of the students is generally to get together in some kind of activity to live and celebrate the day. And young Jorge is on his way to the train station where he'll take the train to go and meet the rest of his friends and spend the day with them. Along the way, he passes by a church and is inspired to go into the church. In the church, he sees a priest whom he's never met before, but he's very struck by this priest, by his presence and his bearing. And something in him moves him to ask this priest for confession. And so he goes to confession to this priest, and it's in the course of that confession that his vocation is revealed to him. This was a powerful moment. I think you can probably see here the roots of Pope Francis' love for the sacrament of confession. If you think back to the year of mercy, for example, the um, missionary um, confessors and the, the whole push for the sacrament of confession, because it has been such a source of grace in his own life. And from the account, Uh, As the author describes Francis' recollection of that confession that day, it was a confession that completely took him by surprise because in it, he understood that God was calling him to be a religious priest and found a desire uh, surging in his heart. That's that greatest sense of the will that, yes, yes, that's what I want. I embrace that. That's the way I'll move. And he was, it was so clear to him in the grace of that confession that God was calling him to be a religious priest that he could not doubt then or ever throughout his life that, in fact, God was calling him to religious priesthood. So, and I think as you read that account, I think it's pretty clear that uh, what the young Jorge Bergoglio is describing is an experience of first-mode discernment in which his vocation to religious priesthood is revealed to him. Uh, The three elements of a first-mode discernment really seem to be present. Now, let's notice that if we focus on that first element of something that is shown, what specifically is shown to Jorge in that first-mode discernment as he goes to confession? What is shown to him is that God is calling him to be a religious, to be a religious priest. Specifically where, Franciscan, Dominican, Jesuit, Redemptorist, that is not shown to him in his first mode discernment. And in fact, his clarity about his call specifically to be a Jesuit priest only came a few years later. Okay, and I'm focusing on that because it's going to be important in understanding first mode discernment well to see clearly what is shown to the person in the first mode discernment. Now, let's take a look at a further experience. Uh, and this is Gary. We'll, we'll just take this last experience of first mode discernment. And I want to include this one because all of the experiences we have shared thus far all take place with a certain drama. There's a powerful moment of grace, of understanding, Um Suddenly, you know, a moment came when suddenly the clarity came and it stopped all questions or Anne like a powerful lightning bolt that passes through her whole being and clarity is given. In Gary, we have, I'd say, uh, a less dramatic but equally powerful experience. So let's just look at this. I would find it hard to say exactly when my calling as a priest first became clear to me. So there's no one specific moment in this case. It was always there in a sense. It just wells up and is present to Gary. It was there as far back as I can remember thinking about my future, certainly already when I was in grade school, which is a wonderful grace when God gives it. Faith was an important part of our family, family life, and we were always active in the parish. Catholic school also helped. So the spiritual soil for a vocation was there. Uh, The ambiance, the devout family, the parish, the Catholic school, all of this supports the perception, uh, even from elementary school years, that God is calling him to to priesthood, a perception that emerges gradually until it becomes very clear. Uh, Though I was the only boy in the family that felt this call. There was never any struggle about my vocation, Never any searching to see whether God wanted me to be a priest. So something is shown to Gary in this, I'd say, undramatic but powerful, ongoing way uh, that God is calling him to be a priest. It was just clear to me, and it has always been clear to me since. Again, another element of first mode discernment. It's so clear that Gary cannot doubt then or ever in his life that God is calling him to be a priest. I always had great esteem for marriage, and my parents were great examples, but I knew that it wasn't my call. I just longed to be a priest and to live that life. It was all I wanted, and there you see the great ascent of the will. Yes, the embracing, the moving in that direction. In my last year in college, when I had to decide what I would do, there was, in a sense, no decision to make. I knew that God wanted me to be a priest, the clarity. I remember that in my last year in the seminary, before I became a deacon, a retreat director said that I needed to think well about this since this was the definitive commitment. I was willing to reflect, but I knew in my heart that it was already clear. It had always been clear. It still is today after so many years of priesthood. I've never doubted that call, and I can't doubt it. That's pure first mode language. I've always been grateful to God for that. So with reverence. Something is shown to Gary, his calling to be a priest. There's a great assent of his will, a great yes of his will to this. It was all I wanted. And it's so clear to him that he does not doubt then and can never doubt that he has truly received and understood God's call. So, with reverence, I think it's quite clear that Gary receives his vocational discernment through the first mode of discernment. And this reveals another way in which first mode, genuine first mode discernment, can be given. It may be given dramatically in a a given moment, but it may also be given in a kind of gradual, increasingly clear way until the point comes when the person sees it clearly can't doubt, embraces it, and goes forward with certitude about God's choice, God's will in the discernment. And that's the undramatic and powerful way in which Gary receives his vocation. Now, let's go back to the issue of something is shown and why I wanted to focus a little bit on this as we went through. In Anne's case, two things are shown to Anne, both the call to religious life and the specific community. In Gary's case, things are different. Something is shown to Gary that God is calling him to be a priest. But what is not shown to him, what is not given to him in the first mode discernment is where God is calling him to be a priest. Is it in his diocese? Is God calling him to religious priesthood? If so, to Jesuit, Dominican, Franciscan, Redemptorist, Benedictine priesthood, and so forth. That is not shown to Gary in first mode discernment. How will Gary then pursue? Gary is, has understood very clearly through the Lord from the Lord that he is called to be a priest. How will Gary find clarity on where God is calling him to be a priest? Through the normal process of discernment. So he may speak with the diocesan vocation director, visit some religious communities, and so forth, and go through the normal process uh, that one does in, uh, in discernment. Okay. Now, this kind of thing is what a spiritual director will help a person to see clearly when it's a question of first mode discernment. Okay. Let's look at a series of questions now. You have these in the handout, which we can ask that will help f- us focus on first mode discernment and with some clarity. So, first question. So, basically, what we have in mind here here is a person uh, who comes to a spiritual director and says, I think God has shown me his answer in terms of career, vocation, some significant choice in his or her life. And the spiritual director now wants to help the person uh, see whether this was in fact a real first mode discernment or a rich and beautiful experience of prayer, but not yet first mode discernment. And obviously it matters to know, because if it is first mode discernment, the discernment is concluded. If it's a beautiful experience of God's grace and love uh, with, with light being given, but not a full, formal, proper first mode discernment, then the process of discernment needs to continue. So these are questions that will be in the mind of the spiritual director. What specifically was shown to the person? Was it, as with Anne, both a calling to religious life and to a precise religious community? Or, as with Gary, simply the calling to priesthood without further specification. In the experience, what specifically did God show the one discerning? Next, in the experience, was there a clear attraction and drawing of the will toward what was shown? Was there, to go back over the examples we've shared, as with Ignatius, quote, a great ascent to the will? As with Anne, a surging yes As with Gary, a single-hearted drawing, it was all I wanted. Does the director sense in the person, as the person shares the experience, that deep drawing of the will toward what God has shown? Again, was it truly impossible for the person to doubt that this discernment was of God? Like Ignatius, who, quote, could never doubt his discernment about the penitential practice. Like Anne, whose discernment, quote, could never be doubted through all the vicissitudes of life. So that if uh, someone were to come to me in spiritual direction, or any spiritual director, and we're to say something like, uh, maybe the person is in a process of discernment, let's say, of, of her career, and we're to say um, and this process has been going on for a few months, we'll say, and she's been meeting with the spiritual director. And this day, she shares that I had, a, I had a beautiful experience of grace yesterday. And in it, it just seems so clear to me that God is calling me to this career. Okay, the, the spiritual director or Ignatius hearing that language will be, will be wondering, is this first mode discernment? Now, let's say she should go on to say, uh, that was last week. And it seems so clear to me. And I I have no question that was a beautiful experience of prayer, but I I have been wondering since whether uh, it is as clear as I thought it was. All right. At this point, it's clear that this woman has received a beautiful experience of grace, which is important and needs to be considered in the process of discernment, but she has not received first mode discernment. In true first mode discernment, like all the examples that we've shared, the person does not doubt and cannot doubt either then or later. Or if the person were to say, it seems so clear, but I'm wondering and so forth, these would be signs that probably we don't have a first mode discernment here. Uh, A beautiful experience of grace, and we thank God for it, and we incorporate it in our understanding of of the uh, discernment and where God may be leading, but it would not be first mode discernment. Okay, so was it truly impossible for the person to doubt? I do want to say at this point that um, I don't think we should ever lightly presume first mode discernment. And like in the cases that we've discussed, wisdom always indicates that it is that it is good to speak with a wise and competent spiritual director before concluding that we have received first mode discernment. For Ignatius, this is always, understood in any process of discernment as he describes them in his spiritual exercises and that is communication contact with a competent spiritual director so if anyone would wonder now or in the future has god given me a first mode discernment we'd reverence the uh, the beauty of the experience but it would be i'd say i'd say indispensably wise to speak with a competent spiritual person, someone with training and background, to help us in the kind of conversation I've been describing um, and to be able to confirm for us that this was, in fact, first mode discernment so that the discernment is concluded and we need only act on it, or whether the discernment needs to continue yet toward a clarity that will be given further along in the process. Well, that leads to the next question I've kind of anticipated myself here. Has the one discerning spoken with a spiritual guide about the experience? And I'd, I, I just would never speak about first mode discernment without urging that kind of conversation before concluding that we have received real first mode discernment, because obviously a lot is at stake uh, in that. And then finally, has the recipient of the gift acted upon it? So once it is clear and confirmed that this is first mode discernment, there's only one question that remains. And that is, has the person acted upon it? Now, another question. What if you are discerning career, vocation, family, uh, service in the church in one way or another? And God has not given first mode discernment, like Anne or Gary, uh, just making it so clear that the discernment is concluded. And this will be the more common case. First mode discernment is not something we lightly presume. It's a wonderful gift when God gives it, but it will, I think I can probably um, say this accurately, that it will not generally be the most common of the modes we will experience. It's important to know about it. God does give this grace to people, as we've seen, but it will probably not be the most common mode or pattern Or way in which God will answer the question in the discernment. So, what if we're discerning, and um, let's say the young woman is discerning between uh, in a a choice of careers, and uh, God is not giving her first mode discernment. Then Ignatius says God may be calling her or any one of us to discern by a second mode, and let's just introduce this in this talk, um, and we'll be picking it up in the next. Now, I've summarized second-mode discernment as an attraction of the heart, a consistent attraction of the heart toward one option when the heart experiences the joy and warmth of God's closeness and love. All right, let's look at the text of St. Ignatius, which is very brief and very packed. So if you take uh, the text, Ignatius' text again, Ignatius writes... The second time, Ignatius writes, the second time or second mode is when sufficient clarity and understanding, so all the clarity and understanding that the person needs to know that God wants this option rather than the other. The second time or mode is when sufficient clarity and understanding is received through experience of consolations and desolations and through experience of discernment of different spirits. Now to go back to that text, Ignatius tells us that if God gives a person discernment, answers the discernment according to the second mode, God does this through giving the person two experiences. When sufficient clarity and understanding is received first experience through the experience of consolations and desolations. So the person is experiencing what Ignatius calls consolations and desolations. Let's say this young woman, as she goes through the months of her discernment uh, about one career or another. And then secondly, through the experience of discernment of different spirits. So that if we are going to understand second mode discernment, we need to understand these two experiences. What Ignatius means by the experience of consolations and desolations. And then secondly, what he means by the experience of discernment of spirits, or as he says here, discernment different spirits so let's take a look at both of these firstly the experience of consolations and desolations some of this if we've been through the rules for discernment will be familiar to us so this will just be a very brief review and for others it may be a first introduction to what ignatius means by uh, spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation so let's do this through an example so uh let's do this we'll just get started here Through uh, looking at some examples. And uh, you have this on page eight in the handout. And this first is just a paragraph from a book written by a man named William Kernan, written in 1953, entitled My Road to Certainty. And what um, William is describing here is the path that led him into the Catholic Church. And the particular moment that he's describing is when he is leaving his California home. And he is taking the train across the country to begin university studies in an Eastern University. And the particular moment he's describing here is as the train ride is just beginning, so he's just left everything. He's a young man. Uh, You can almost feel the um, uncertainties in his heart, what lies ahead, uh, how will things work out for me. And as he's uh, looking out the window as the train is passing through the Californian countryside, the following takes place. I looked out of the train at the California countryside, which I was rapidly leaving behind me. The orange groves shimmering in the light of the late afternoon sun, the little bungalows, which appeared here and there for a moment, and then were gone as the train sped on and the mountains far out on the horizon, and with reverence now, an upsurge of gratitude swept through me and warmed my heart. And I thank God for his providence and goodness, which had kept me safe all the days of my life, and which I was sure would keep me safe forever. I could go on thinking of tomorrow in terms of today. Something would always be the same in every tomorrow. Something would be certain. God. So with reverence, uh, because again, it's holy ground. This is just a very beautiful touch of God's love to this young man facing the uncertainties of a major change in life. And he's simply gazing out the window of the train, looking at the beauty of the familiar California countryside, and it warms his heart to see it. And into that experience of just gazing out the window, God infuses a gift of grace, a warmth a sense of being loved, a certainty that God would be with him, just as God had always been with him thus far in his life, and whatever lay ahead, God would be with him. And you can feel the strengthening and the encouragement and the renewed energy that comes into this young man. These are the kinds of experiences that Ignatius calls spiritual consolation. So both of those words matter. Consolation signifies an uplifting movement of the heart. So this is heart-level language. So joy, uh, confidence, love, gratitude, hope. Consolation is an uplifting movement of the heart and on the spiritual level, which you can see very clearly in this experience, that um, uh, William receives a, a sense of God's presence and closeness and loving protection. So that the uplifting movement of the heart very clearly takes place on the spiritual level. William Kernan is experiencing what Ignatius calls spiritual consolation. All right, I think we'll stop there and we'll pick this up in our next reflection.
0: You've been listening to the audio taken from the seminar on discerning the will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download other recordings from this seminar and so much more from Father Gallagher, visit DiscerningHearts.com or locate them within the free Discerning Hearts app. You can also view this series of talks on the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher.